Welcome back to the Frontline Freedom Adventure Therapy Podcast, where we talk about the outdoor recreation and its numerous mental health benefits, particularly for those frontline workers. And as a nonprofit, we aim to serve police, fire, EMS, healthcare, dispatchers, and social workers by getting them out into the woods with backpacking trips and or fly fishing trips on the water. So today I've got one of our board members, Jason Hughes, with me, and um, he had a really good topic to discuss. So um, we decided to put this as our next podcast, and thanks for coming over tonight. I know it's cold and it's dark out, even though it's only not even 6 o'clock yet. So um, thanks for being here. But what did you bring to uh, discuss today? Well, first off, I want to say thanks for allowing me to be here today to, to cover this information. So I got an interesting topic that I want to talk about. So I want you to think about, you know, an instance while you're at work and one of your um, coworkers does something, whether it's make a mistake or say the wrong thing, and you ask them, hey, why did you do that? What's the typical response you get from them? Oh, it's uh, usually just, they don't really have a good answer. It's usually, I don't know, and then, or just because, or something along those lines. It's usually very vague. Exactly, you know, and you're gonna find out um, when your kids get older and you ask your kid, hey, why did you do that? Well, I don't know. Well, you know what to do. Well, I don't know. And the reason why I want to bring this topic up is it's something that's always fascinating me. I love studying people. And the topic is that we know what to do, but we don't do what we know. So when that individual says, well, I don't know, technically, yes, they do, because they've been trained on that. But it's just human nature that it is do things, even though they know what to do. That's not what they do. Okay. Regardless if it's a habit or taking a shortcut, but it's fascinating, you know, thinking about why is it people do that? Yeah, that's an interesting topic because I think so many people, I mean, I've almost made a career out of looking at people who know right and wrong. Yeah. And, you know, being in law enforcement, we deal with people who do wrong all the time. But, you know, every time you're in those situations, they're like, yeah, I knew I wasn't supposed to do that. So it is, it is kind of a weird human, human nature thing. Now that it kind of got me thinking about it a little bit more. Yeah, it is. Um, and we know... There's, I mean, there could be several reasons why people do that. Uh, one, you know, they're afraid of making mistakes, afraid of saying the wrong thing. Uh, and for this line of work that we cover, um, we always ask the question, hey, man, if you knew this was bothering you, why didn't you say something? Gotcha. Like on the mental health side, then, like, yes. okay. See, now that gets my wheels even turned even more because um, kind of putting in that frame that we know what to do, but we don't do it, I can think of... Um, like right now, our agency is going through CIT training, and I, I, I know what it is, and I know what it's about, but I feel like people aren't going to implement it the way that it's designed to, even though they know all the nuts and bolts to it. They know the ins and outs. They know what needs to be done, but they don't do it. But what's interesting when you talk about training is most of the time we see that the agency says, hey, we've got, we've got this training. We've got ABC amount of people need to do it. And if, you know, the board says we need 15, we're going to get 15 bodies. So it becomes a check the block. So not, maybe not everyone's buying into that. Or they're just trying to hurry up and get through the training and say, yeah, I've got the training, but I don't plan on implementing it because our culture is this is how we do things. Sure. You know, I, I even see that um, with Frontline. So it, it's, it's funny to me. So as part of the nonprofit, you know, obviously we have an application process and um, we're a resource for people if they're, you know, they want to get out in the woods just to get that, you know, mental relaxation, kind of uh, go out in the woods, relax, do what they need to do. But we have so many people that say this is such a great resource and they share it on social media and they're like, oh, I love this idea, blah, blah, blah. But our actual number of applicants is very small. 
and compared to how much social media engagement, how many people are like, yeah, this is such a great thing. So it's, it's almost the same thing, right? It's like, yeah. and, and I've always wondered, is that fear that holds people back or is it just like, well, I, I shared it to others. So that's good enough. I, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on that? You know, that's an interesting perspective. And, and I'll give you another example to, to kind of frame that. So think about somebody who says, hey, you know what? I'm going to get fit and tomorrow I'm going to start and I've got a plan. I'm going to wake up early. I'm going to take my pre-workout. I'm going to eat a small meal. I'm going to get ready. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And then the alarm clock goes up in the morning and the real world hits them and it's like, boom, I don't want to do that anymore. Uh, it's too much work. Oh, I'm so tired. I don't want to do that. It's, what's weird about that is, is it's the same person. Same brain, same mind, same thoughts, but for some reason, from one day to the next, all of a sudden, it's not possible anymore. Yeah. Wow. You know, I never like thought about it in the frame of like working out because we see that at the gym every January, mm. right? The gym is like packed January mm. one, and then by February one, it's back to like the same seven people in there. You know, it's very, very interesting. So, what what do you think is the the message that uh, we should give people as as far as you know? They know what to do. They know what's next, but choose not to do it. Well, there's a couple of things we can do. One is following up. So I gave you the training, gave you the information. Now what do we do from there? One thing to remember is information is not enough. Sure, information changes the situation. In other words, I have concrete evidence, and this is what I can do. Versus, A, the situation is ambiguous. I don't know what to do. Information changes the situation. But information is not enough. Because if information was enough, people would be healthy. They'd be wealthy. They'd be goal-oriented and reaching their goals. But information is not enough. That's where we need that peer support to follow up. Hey, look, I gave you the information. I showed you what to do. Now let's do it together. Okay. Mm. I, I like that perspective. And um, we just did a, uh, a Frontline Freedom trip uh, maybe two and a half, three weeks ago. And one of the comments that somebody said on that trip kind of stuck with me about it. And it was you know, they, they did all the training. They went through a, a, a post-critical incident stress seminar. And their big takeaway from that was I felt great afterwards. Mm-hmm. And then six months later, it started changing. And there was no follow-up there. You know, they, they knew they had the tools, but in their mind, they felt like it was a checkbox and they did it and that they're magically fixed. And that's not the reality. I mean, it's, you know, persistence changes things, right? It's not just a one-time, one-time shot. So that's a very interesting um, perspective that you put on that. Yeah. Um, you know, and we can, you can put this into any aspect of your life. You do it in your home life, your relationships, personal, professional. Uh, we just, it's just human nature that we get comfortable. And just like you said, I got the training or I got the information, check that block. Don't need to do anything after that. And it's just not how it works. Yeah. And I, I think that that goes a long way, especially, um, when you're dealing with your, with yourself, Right. Like the, the mental health aspect, because uh, I know I shared it in another episode. I think it was our last update I did. Um, I kind of shared a, a conversation I had with somebody who said, I, I, I like the idea of frontline freedom. I want to go out on a trip, but I don't feel like uh, I don't have the same trauma or, you know, they're almost comparing themselves to other people. Mm-hmm. So here is a person who acknowledges, yeah, I've dealt with some stuff, but I'm going to ignore that because I don't think it's enough stuff almost. And it, it was really odd to me. It almost seemed counterintuitive. Um, in, in a sense, I guess. You know, in uh, the last book that I published, The Best Version of You, there's a chapter in there called The Comparison Trap. And it is something that's human nature that what we do is we're constantly like, my stuff is great, but Bob's is better, or my stuff is great and Jane's better. So it's always like, 
it's always a comparison. So when we get to Jane's level, now all of a sudden, Frank's stuff is better. Mm. So um, to, to think about it differently, like there's nothing, we've got to change the way we think. So in other words, you can change your clothes, your house, your address, your relationship, even the color of your hair, all those external things. But until you change the inside, like nothing else changes. And the same situations perpetuate over and over again because everything on the outside changed, but nothing on the inside changed. So how do we combat um, the idea of trying to compare ourselves to other people? Because I, I feel like that is what holds people back from so many things. And not just mm-hmm. not just this in the, in the realm of you know, frontline freedom and, and what we try to do, but I, I feel like that comparison factor that you, you're talking about mm-hmm. holds people back you know, financially, you know, it's the, the classic idiom of keeping up with the Joneses, yes. right? You put yourself into credit card debt just to have what your neighbors have. So what do you, what do you think? How do we, how do we break that mold for people or get them through that? Well, it goes back to having a conversation. Know the people that you're working with, regardless if it's people in your personal life or professional life, have that conversation. Hey, what's going on in your life? I see you're stressed out or even, even the simple, Hey, how are things? And letting, giving them an opportunity to speak. Uh, I, I would advise you to try to stay away from the, the always trying to provide an answer for them. Let them have a conversation. Because a big habit we have as human nature is we don't listen to actually listen. We listen to respond. So it's like you're telling me you've got this going on. The whole time I'm sitting over, I said, oh, he can do this, and he can do that, and he can do this. We seem to be subject matter experts on everyone else's life but our own. Sure. Because then it's personal. What we don't realize is it's personal for them, too. Right. So having that open dialogue about what's going on and actually listening to what they're saying. Because sometimes people just want you you know, want you know, to listen. Yeah, they just want to vent or whatever. And I, and I, I don't know if you um, – it, it just seems anecdotally, at least, that – men are much worse at that than than women are and the reason i say that is because i feel like as a as a male you like sometimes i feel like my role in life is to fix things mm-hmm. so it doesn't matter if it's me that's broken or if it's someone else that's broken i'm like well i'm going to fix it and you know so you tell me you have this issue going on or this problem and my my first reaction is just like you said i'm like okay here's how we fix you um, but the reality is that's, that's completely wrong. You know, mm-hmm. I should just be listening sick, man, that, that sucks. You've had a bad day, you know, um, rather than here's this best career advice ever from my own brain that knows nothing about the background of your situation whatsoever. Yeah. Um, we, we do use the term men. We use the term fix a lot, but we forget that you as a person, like you're not, uh, you're not materialistic you're, or you're not a piece of uh, material. Like you don't need fixed. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you're not broken. Right. But, uh, you know, there, we use those type of words and it creates the stigma uh, that men have to fix things. Uh, but what's interesting about that is you fix other people, you know, air quote, but you don't fix yourself. Right. <laughs> and, and I really like what you just said there. You're not a you're not an object. So yeah. stop saying fix and we're broken. You know, if you use fix, then that's implying that something's broken. You don't. That That's a such a powerful statement. I, I, I don't think. I don't think enough people realize that, how powerful what you just said actually is. So if you didn't catch that the first time, yeah. you're not an object. You're not broken. You don't need fixed, right? There's other other terms that mean so much more. I mean, I, I feel like every day I wake up, I'm like, how can I be better than yesterday? But mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that yesterday was in any part broken. It just, you know, it's just my nature. I want to get up and, okay, do better than yesterday. It's progress at its finest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm glad you brought that up because language is incredibly important. 
and the words we use while having these conversations are incredibly important. Like they uh, can build people up. They can also tear them down by using the wrong terminology. And the word fix and broke, uh, those are words that, although they understand what you're saying, mm -hmm. we don't know where that person is on their journey. So broke and fix may not be very good for them. And it may confirm some of the thoughts that they're having about themselves. Gotcha. So what are, um, what would you say are better ways to approach that? You know, cause I, I know I've had people reach out and they just tell me, dude, I'm broken and mm. they leave it at that. You know, I, I'm, I'm broken and I'm like, oh, no, no, you're not. Um, mm. you know, what, what do you, what do you think? How do you get people through that kind of sticking point or when they believe themselves that they are truly broken? Um, well, I would recommend that maybe depending on how much time you have, let's just say for this scenario, we've got time isn't a factor. You know, we can talk as long as we need to maybe sit down, you know, and have a conversation and say, well, hey, let's take an inventory of the things in your life that you are grateful for. Uh, we know stacking things that we're grateful for can create a winning streak and it can change our perception of our life because most of the time when we're feeling depressed anxious or whatever we get tunnel vision on all the negative things and then we know when we, when you get tunnel vision we activate our reticular activating system in other words like you start looking for things that's in your awareness and you know the more you look the more you find yeah it's like the yellow car effect right <laughs> yes yeah you don't notice oh, the yellow car until you're looking for it exactly but so that's why stacking things that we're grateful for is a good exercise that's a good building block and, and for one thing, we're trying to build rapport with that individual too. Regardless of, you know, your relationship, you know, they might feel embarrassed, uncomfortable, or they may just not know you on that level. Uh, so building rapport is important. So I recommend stacking things that they're grateful for or taking inventory of things that they're grateful for. So what, what is stacking exactly? Like when you, when you talk about stacking, you know, I mean, it, we, we've talked about this before and this wasn't a podcast episode about how we think in pictures. And so when I hear you say I'm stacking things, I, I just picture me with like little cups, like putting them on top of one of them. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. So I'm glad you brought up the uh, you brought up the how we think in pictures. So what he means by that is, uh, if you're talking about a scenario that happened in your life, uh, you're not just picturing words. I'm not, they're not thinking bird, car, like the words itself. No, I'm thinking I'm driving. I just got the car washed. A bird flies by, and you know, onto my car. I'm actually thinking of that. So we think in pictures. So what I mean by uh, stacking things that we're grateful for or taking inventory of things that we're grateful for is, you know, thinking about, okay, you know, I've got a wife, I have children. You know, I'm picturing those things and I'm putting them into a group. Uh, I like my job. I like my car. Uh, I like when Ohio State plays on TV. I'm thinking of all these things that I've got in my life and I'm stacking them visually or on a piece of paper. Uh, I recommend writing things down too because, you know, when we write things down, we have a tendency to remember them too. Plus, once again, it's visual. It's a picture. I can picture the uh, piece of paper. So that's what kind of stacking things that we're grateful for means. Okay. Yeah, that's good. And I, I like that you said to, to write things down. I've been an advocate of, of, of that for years now. And it, it kind of started because I was very overwhelmed at work and I felt I was building a house. I was in the process of moving. I just started a new job mm -hmm. and I couldn't keep track of anything. And I felt like mentally that I was just scatterbrained. So um, I kind of took up just writing things down and it's and then I think for guys, they look at that as, oh, you're doing your dear diary. And that's not what it is. That's not what it is at all. For me, it was almost like a to-do list. But in a sense, it was almost that stacking. You know, I had, all right, work, this is what needs to be done. Boom, 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 write them all out. And then, you know, 
outside of work stuff would all go into its own little category, but it was just a way for me to focus my energy. Um, and it, it freed up so much more computing power in my brain. I just felt more clear just writing things down mm-hmm. and it didn't matter. Um, it didn't matter if I didn't do everything that day, I would rewrite the list of things that I needed to do the next day because it was just almost like a, uh, it refreshed my brain. Like you said, you know, we're, we're remembering things. And in this case, you're remembering good things when you rewrite that list. And like you said, stack it by writing it down. So I think that's, that's a great, great idea to, you know, carry, you know, I used to carry these little field notebooks, you know, they just say field notes on the front of them. Um, I love those things, have their quarterly subscription. I'm not paid by them, but I wish I was, Um, (laughs) but I did, I would just write down little things like all day long and just pull it out of my pocket and say, Oh, okay. Remember to go get the car washed after work, you know, just stupid stuff or even important stuff I'd write in there, but it just, it helped me mentally just free up some computing power. You know, I'm glad you mentioned that because I actually do the same thing. I use a high-performance planner, so I write out my daily schedule, all of my goals, all the priorities, all the tasks, you know, on like the left side, evaluating how I'm feeling in the morning, and on the right side, evaluate how I felt at the end of the day. And the reason why I do that is, there's a couple of reasons. So I am obsessed with planning my day. And the reason why I plan my day is, I always know what I need to do. And it goes back to we do what we know, we don't know what we do. Because I want to make sure that I'm somewhat in control of my day and not constantly being reactive all day. In other words, like I'm planning the day I want instead of living the day I get. Yeah. It's like the tail wagging the dog, you know, like that. And I see that so many times where people are just, I had this, it's funny, this came up because yesterday morning I had a talk with, um, uh, one of the, one of my coworkers and they're the type of person that wakes up five minutes before they have to leave. Mm-hmm. So it's, they're brushing their teeth while they're making their bed and trying to scramble to put on clothes. And they didn't understand why I wake up an hour and a half, two hours before I even need to get in the shower. I mean, I, I get up, I make my coffee and I just sit and I just chill for a while. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a large part of it. I, I don't want to be reactive to things. I want to know what's coming and be able to kind of plan that out mentally prepare for everything rather than just constantly being behind the eight ball. Um, you know, and I think those are great habits to have. And depending on what profession you're in, being distracted and feeling like you're catching up could be deadly, you know, especially when you're talking about frontline workers, it can be either deadly to you or to someone else. Um, especially if you're, you know, just distracted by all those, those little things that you fail to prepare for throughout your day. Yeah. And what, what also by doing this helps is it's learning to train yourself to do things to lower anxiety throughout the day. When you have a plan, things go a lot smoother because you already know what's going on. It's just like when we measure success, everyone has their idea of a definition of success, but really success is you achieving what you said you were going to do. It doesn't mean like you've got $50 million in the bank. Well, if your goal was, I wanna be rich, that's success. Success can be something as, I have 10 things I want to accomplish at the end of the day. And at the end of the day, if I've accomplished 10 things, that is success right there. And those are small wins. And doing that, that's how we lower anxiety, is knowing what we need to do. And writing it down as a reminder, too, because, you know, know, Murphy's Law, things are going to happen. Mm -hmm. And, you know, things we were not planned for. But coming back to that list, it's a good way to lower anxiety. Okay, I got through that stress. Let's go back. Let's look what I wrote down that make me feel better about being successful on my day. Yeah, you know, that's a, such a good idea because you talk about lowering anxiety. Um, 
and I, I see it on the faces of, of people at work constantly. Mm-hmm. And I see it on our frontline workers. They're anxious about this. They're anxious about that. And it seems like any little thing to help reduce that anxiety. I mean, we live in an anxious world. I mm-hmm. mean, 25 years ago, we didn't have a cell phone that told me when I needed to be somewhere <laughs> at the drop of a hat, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, everyone's got like a trigger of what like brings on panic and anxiety for them. And for me, for a long time, it was my phone ringing. And it was because, you know, I had a lot of phone calls back to back where someone on the other end had been severely hurt. And um, as an agency, we had to respond to that. So it was it was a weird feeling because when my phone would ring, I would know that it was probably just a call like, hey, how you doing? But when I would hear the phone ring, my heart rate would increase and my palms would get sweaty. It was literally like anxiety coming in because I didn't know what was coming on the other side. And it's that's a small form of what's going on. But um, you know, any, anything we can do to reduce anxiety, I think is a win for everybody. Yeah. Um, you know, the interesting thing, what you said about the phone scenario, great, great example. And, and we can go back to when we talked about how we think in pictures. So when the phone rings, you know, we think in pictures. So you remember a time when you received a call from, you know, whoever it is. And let's say, uh, there was a, a serious incident involved in that. Now you're thinking about, you're picturing where was I at when I got that call? At the same time, what's coming along with those pictures are the emotions from that time period. So if this was a very serious incident, let's just say something happened to one of your coworkers, and you remember how that felt when that happened. Well, our brains don't have a sense of time. So if I think about a situation that made me you know, depressed, anxious, or sad, whatever, our brain remembers that, and it's almost like we're reliving that situation again because there is no sense of time. Even though it could be five days, a week, five years, uh, we feel the same thing. So that's one thing to be very uh, cognizant about is when we start constantly focusing on bad memories along with those images in our head are the emotions uh, that we felt during those incidents. Yeah, that's that's a... (laughs) I mean, that's spot on. I mean, like when the phone was ringing there for a while, it wasn't it wasn't the phone call that was bringing me anxiety. It was the aftermath that followed from the result of that phone call. And that's where my mind would automatically go. It was always just almost I don't want to say reliving it, but very close to, you know, I was going through my mind. Okay, this is what happened that day. And this is how we went about it. And then um, these are things I saw. These are things I smelled. These are things we had to deal with. And and all of that stuff would come flooding back for a while. And granted, it was you know, usually short lived because you answer the phone and everything's fine. So, but I, I did, I noticed every time the phone rang, it was almost like my heart rate would instantly just kick up and, you know, these, these thoughts would creep back in just memories. So, um, that's, that's important to know, I think. And like you said, trying to reduce anxiety throughout your day, can be something as simple as writing a list. I think that's, mm-hmm. that's amazing. And then, you know, you tie that into, we all know that now. So I, I guess my challenge is to everybody is, Here's something that we know we need to do, but we have to make sure we do it, right? Kind of tie back into your your original or point and topic there. Yeah, um, it's just interesting, you know, how we think, um, and it can be several reasons why we just don't do what we know. Um, some things that we can incorporate into the conversation too is why do people do that? Why is it they know exactly how to get help? Or do something better, but they don't do it. And some reasons can be is, you know, they just don't want to feel like a burden to you. Oh, you know, if I if I tell Dave this, then he's we got I got to go see this person. I got to see this person, and all of a sudden this is four, five, six 
days, maybe even two weeks. I'm seeing all them going to get counseling services. I'm checking in and they start realizing, oh, this is just too many things. I'm just not going to say anything. I mean, I know if I said something, it would help, but I don't want to spend the next two weeks talking about the same thing over and over again, reliving all those experiences over and over again. So they just don't do it because they don't want to be a burden. Yeah. And, you know, going back to words mean things, you know, I think on the other side of that conversation, I would never think that somebody's a burden. And that's sad to me that there are people out there that, that might have something that they want to get off their chest. Or, um, you know, I talked to her a little bit earlier about how many people share Frontline Freedom's mission but don't actually apply. And it makes me almost sad to think how many people could benefit from just going out in the woods, spending the night out, out there backpacking with mm-hmm. us, just clearing your mind, just escape for a minute, um, but don't want to feel like a burden. And, you know, th- those people aren't burdens at all. They're not broken, like we, we talked about, right? They don't need fixed. Um, we could all just use a time in the woods just to hang out and, and get that mental reset. So, um, no, that's, that's a good point. And I, I wish that more people would you know, listen to this and understand that, okay, if you even have a slight thought of, yeah, maybe you should talk to somebody, do it. You know what needs done. You know, what, what are you mm-hmm. waiting for? You know, tomorrow, don't wait. wait. Don't wait for tomorrow. Get it, get it today. Do what you got to do. So, yeah. And it goes back to, um, the comparison trap and that's where the burden piece comes from. You know, they're worried about, well, you know, Rick's situation is more extreme than mine. So I'll just hang back let Rick get help. And they forget that you're part of that team too. Um, And like how one person goes, we all go. And so it's important to make sure that we're taking care of the team or the organization, you know, plug whatever word is that you're, how you're operating, but you're not a burden and everybody's stories matters. Uh, Everybody's background is completely different. And that's what makes us so unique is we all come from different walks of life. We've all experienced different things. That's why I'm a huge advocate that every person you're ever going to meet has something they can teach you because they've lived something that you haven't, and just like you, you can teach them something. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we can't we can't devalue their story because it matters. Yeah, no, I, I, absolutely, and that's mm-hmm. um, you know I, I think back to some of these frontline freedom trips that we've gone on, and uh, just some of the feedback we've gotten from people who've gone on the trips with us, and to hear what they say, it almost gives them that sense of of purpose and camaraderie back. You, mm-hmm. you, you talked about having a team and. Um, one guy in particular, he was out in the woods and I mean, it's probably getting close to midnight and, and it was a late fall trip. So it was a little bit cold, but that's okay. Um, and he started talking about how, how good it just felt to be around like-minded people because he started to feel isolated and, um, you know, uh, you, I hate to use this word, but going back to that burden word, he felt like a burden to his family mm-hmm. because, you know, he couldn't get some of the stuff off of his chest and they didn't understand what he was thinking or feeling or, or anything else. And then just being out there just made him feel like that camaraderie came back and he was able to unload a lot of the baggage he's been carrying around. And, you know, one night in the woods isn't, isn't going to, you know, make or break you. <laughs> I mean, yeah. and, and I, I just said the break word again, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, I view it as come out as many times as you want. You know, if, if that brings you joy to come out there and gives you some kind of mental reprieve from whatever you're feeling or whatever you're dealing with in your, your daily life, work related or not, then if that works for you, then keep doing it, you know, let it be the, the, the continuing help for you, I guess. Yeah. And the great thing about having these conversations when we're talking about being out in the woods with your, um, with other first responders is as you're talking about the things that you've experienced, you know, it could be the aha moment for somebody else in that group. They can be like, wow, 
Mm-hmm. Dave's feeling that too. I'm not the only one. Or you're thinking, wow, th- this is relatable. Like my situation isn't exactly the same as yours, but I get what you're saying. So it's, and that can get someone else talking too. Um, you know, prior to that, they know that, hey, I probably should speak up how I'm feeling, but then it goes back to, I, I don't. Yeah, the you fear know, factor. The fear factor. Yeah. But once other people start talking, they're like, it's not just me after all. Right. Yeah, it makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. And we see that too. I mean, um, being on some of the trips, it's amazing. Like the, the quiet ones eventually stop being quiet. Mm-hmm. And and that's where I think the beauty in just being outside and letting nature do what it does comes in because you're sitting around a campfire. You yeah. know, and it's like-minded people that have relatable experiences. And just like you said, someone starts talking about man, this happened to me at work and it bothered me. And the next thing I knew, this other person that I didn't think would talk the whole night starts speaking up. So a lot of power in that. And like you said, that that comparison factor of, you, you know, you, you got to break that mold, you know, and it's not, don't be held back because you think you're less than or or whatever the case may be. So mm-hmm. no, that, that's all good stuff. And I, I like it. I, I think it's all, it's all good conversations to have and they should be had. Yeah, um, the kind of, I can't I can't express it enough. Having a conversation is the most effective thing to do. And following up and reminding people to change your life, you have to change your life. Let me say that again. To change your life, you have to change your life. In other words, just having the conversation, getting the training, reading the book, watching the movie is not enough. It takes action. It has to be actionable. We've got to take steps and not just for one day. Like we got to do it over and over. And you said earlier about being repetitive, doing it over and over and to develop the habit. Uh, but to change your life, you have to change your life. Yeah, no, that's, that's spot on. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it's been a good conversation and uh, I've appreciated every second of it. And, uh, I look forward to having you back a lot of times, and and I appreciate the work you do with the board. I mean, we couldn't operate without board members, so you volunteer a lot of your personal time to get us on the right track, so I appreciate that, and thank you for that. So, um, till next time, see you again. <laughs>